Welcome back to the Music Business Dreams podcast, episode three. Uh, If this is your first time here, hey, thanks for checking out the show. Be sure to subscribe if you want to hear more episodes and be updated every time we release. Uh, But today, I'm really excited to present to you guys an interview with rapper Nance. We talked about a lot of things, including how he was able to fund his album via Kickstarter with $10,000. And so it was a really great conversation. Now, I want you to excuse us. Uh, Nance was pretty busy, so we conducted this interview over the phone and he was driving. So there's a little bit of technical difficulties and the call even dropped at one point, but it's all good. So just stay tuned. And here's the interview with Nance. So guys, the next guest on the Music Business Podcast is Nance. Nance is a rapper from the Raleigh, North Carolina area. Um, He's really been building up a buzz these last couple of years. He's performed for artists like Action Bronson, Kyle, Mob Deep. He's been lighting up festival stages. He was at A3C last year, Hopscotch, the Art of Cool Festival. Um, But we're going to talk about all of it. He's just released his uh, debut album, No Excuses, which he funded through a successful Kickstarter campaign. But we're going to talk about all that. Here is Nance. Yo, what's up? What's up, man? Thanks a lot again for agreeing to be on the podcast. How you doing, man? Doing good, man. I appreciate it, man. That, uh, yo, saying all that at one time was, like, was crazy. (laughs) Like, all all the accomplishments, like, really built it up there, man. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, no problem, man. So for those who don't know you, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Uh, my name's Nance, uh, rapper, born and raised, Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, well, I was, like, raised in Wake Forest, so, like, the old Triangle area, pretty much. Um, I've been rapping since I was, like, 15. Uh, yeah, man, just, just kind of been out here doing my thing, the independent route. Um, I put out a couple projects, but my newest one's in the album. So, yeah, it's been grinding for a few years now. Just building it up, man. That's what's up, man. That's funny. We're actually from around the same area. I grew up in Wake Forest, too. But I went to high school, like, Southeast Raleigh, yeah. Oh, damn. That's what's up. Yeah, man. Well, we could talk offline about specifics and stuff. But, um, yeah, so you said you started rapping at about 15? Yeah, I started rapping at 15. Like, well, it was, uh, I started writing in middle school. And then in high school, I got kind of comfortable with, like, freestyling um, and, and kind of taking it serious, man. I... I started freestyling and then recording my stuff and just selling it around school. Uh, I started selling mixtapes, um, like, in high school. So I kind of put, like, 15 as, like, the mark where I was, like, really doing it, you know? Yeah, definitely. So what got you interested in hip-hop? Man, I mean, uh, my brother was always playing it. Um, just, uh, he put me on to, like, Dipset, Kanye, all those guys. When I was in middle school, uh, like 50 Cent, the game. Um, so around that time, I started really getting into it and just just writing, man. It was like I found it a way just to write and get my thoughts and feelings out. Um, but the main thing is just like I just love the music, man. I would just – I remember like on Sundays, like MTV2 would have like Sucker Free Sundays or whatever it was. Yeah. And they would just play – they would play like the countdown, and I would just watch the whole countdown. Um see like what the number one song was of that week and just all that man i just like the whole culture behind it rap and everything man yeah man definitely so 
at 15, you knew rap was what you wanted to do, or was it more of like a hobby, just a way to kind of get your thoughts out? Um, it was a hobby, for sure, but it's like, you know, it, it was one of those things at first where it's like, ah, oh, man, I'm dreaming too big if, if I want to do that, you know? And, and mm-hmm. at the time, uh, the only, like, white rappers out were, like, Eminem, you know? So I didn't really see any, like, rappers that were, like, as far as, like, white rappers go, that had more of, like, a... I guess like a college vibe, like an Asher Roth or maybe like Mac Miller. That mm-hmm. wasn't like, um, I guess, a normal thing at the time. So right. I, I just kind of like, I didn't see myself fully doing it until high school when people were saying, oh, yo, you're dope. Like, you should really try this, you know? Mm-hmm. So what was the turning point for you where you felt like you could start to take yourself seriously and really go for it? Um, so, in, yeah, in high school, I... Sold. I, I remember coming home day, one day after selling mixtapes at school. I had like $64. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, people were actually buying it. Um, and that was like one of the first moments where I was like, all right, let me really start doing this. And then in, when I got into college, I started like booking shows um, and just gaining a following online. That's when I was like, all right, this could be something that I should really invest my time into. And I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Like, I was I was going to school for, like, business and marketing, but in the back of my mind, the school, I was going to Wake Tech. The school I was going to was so close to the studio, that's why I went to that school. It's like, the studio's right here. So mm-hmm. everything, just like, I naturally moved in the direction of music, you know? Right. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. So one thing, because I think I, I found out about you, what, maybe 2015 or so? And um, one thing that I learned about you very quickly was that you're, you're very big on live shows. Like, there's not a lot of artists around here that can pack out venues by themselves. But you were one, it seems like you were doing that kind of early. How has, first, how did you go about doing that? But how has, how important has live shows been to your brand? Um, I feel like it's been, like, one of the things that, especially locally, that separated me. Um, I was always, like, trying to, like, get on shows and, like, open for big artists and stuff. And I got lucky with, like, getting on an Action Bronson show here. Um, and then, like, you know, some other, I opened for, like, Chevy Woods. But, like, a lot of the promoters, like, all they wanted to know is, like, how many people I could bring out. So mm-hmm. um, me and some friends decided to just book our own shows, like, locally and bring as many people as we could out to the shows. Um, and that would be like a way to show promoters, like, hey, look, like we brought 200 people to the show. So if you have me open up for whoever you have coming to town, like we can bring people, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's a way we kind of like, we did it to like prove the promoters and people, like different venues that we could actually bring like people out to have a good time. Um, yeah, that's, that's how I got into that, man. Okay. So I guess what kind of steps are you taking to book your own shows for an artist who wants to kind of follow those footsteps and do that themselves? I, honestly, I just uh, I just found, like, say it was like a Southland Ballroom. That was one of the ones in Raleigh. It's not open anymore, but I just went on their website, found their information, and then uh, contacted them, said I wanted to put in a, like, book a show. And a lot of these venues, man, if they have, like, a free date, they're really open to it. Mm-hmm. And... uh I would make sure I put, like, artists on the bill that I, like, enjoyed, but also I knew they could bring people out, too. Right. And um, 
just hitting up everybody I knew, like, hey, man, if you're not doing anything Friday, come through. And um, luckily, just from, like, putting out music and freestyling, people, I guess, wanted to come out and see what the shows were like. So I've just been doing them ever since. Nice, man. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah, one thing I talk about on the blog a lot um, and in past podcast episodes is, like, just the power of having fans, right, and understanding understanding what, you know, the business of music entails. So it's like, you know, if you can bring people out to a show, you can book a show. The promoter's not necessarily interested in what your music sounds like, you know, unless they have a certain type of crowd that they feel like, you know, you might not attract. But if you can prove to them, hey, like you said, I can bring 200 people to your venue, you know, it's, it's like a no-brainer for them. You know, you're making their job a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. And, like, for example, um, like, I opened for Mob Deep, and, like, if you listen to my music, I obviously don't fit that style. I mean, Mob Deep, that's, like, OG, hip-hop, New York City legends, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was the fact that I packed out Southland Ballroom so many times that they needed somebody. And um, I, I just did it, man, to see, like, maybe I can get some of their fans to like what I'm doing, you know? So uh, it's just, yeah, it's all about bringing people out, um, having a following. And uh, the best way to do that, man, connect with people. Like, I, I take a lot of time out of my day. Like, instead of just, like, sending people links with my music and being like, yo, check me out, I just have conversations with people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I buy to every comment, every DM, every tweet every message like i take the time out to like get to know the people that take the time out of their lives to check out my music you know mm-hmm. so i think that's like it's super important obviously but nowadays with like the power going to the artists and, and the fans are pretty much picking which artists are like on billboard and charting and on tv and stuff you just gotta like you gotta really communicate with the people that support you right yeah i mean like i said the uh an engaged fan base is definitely like your most powerful asset. And so, like you said, just treating your fans like they're people. I know um, people that I know that are fans of yours, they like, they talk about you like they're your best friend. Like, I, <laughs> there's a girl that I used to work with. I can't even remember her name, but she came to work with a Nance and Company shirt on. And I was like, oh, you know, Nance? She's like, yeah, we went to school together. But, um, and then lo and behold, you posted a photo. Uh, from on stage and there she is like in the front and it's like it seems like every time you uh you post or you host a show it's like they're like waiting like yeah I was here at the last one but I want to be at this one too so I think that's a huge testament to you know your charisma and just the fact that you do like you said you care about people you know you care about them enough to make them feel like they're your friends and so yeah that that's crazy man the fact that um work with somebody that is sure that's awesome man yeah man it's it's like i said people are like rabid nance fans it's like yeah i don't, I, don't <laughs> I have i've not seen like i said as far as local artists are concerned and not to you know disrespect you by calling you local but people from our area it's like you know you, you get into this trap especially when it's hip-hop where the only people that really know of you are other rappers Right. And so you start going to events, you see the same people around trying to impress the same five people. But like I said, you've focused on building your fan base and they've definitely rewarded you for it. Man, I do. I appreciate that, man. It means a lot. No problem, man. 
So last time we talked, it was for the blog interview. So this is our first time speaking, you know, uh, at least via phone or whatever. Um, but you were just about to put out the single mentions. How has the last year been? Because it's been about a year since we did that. Yeah. Um, man, that was like, man, I'm trying to remember that. I think that was last March. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, since then, that was the first song I put out with, that was going to be on my album, but also it was produced by my friend, Fourth Shift, that I just started working with. Like, it was like two years ago, or, yeah, it was about a year at that time when I dropped the song, so, and, man, he's, like, really, he's been able to bring, like, me to the table as far as, like, an artist, like, bring out exactly what I wanted to put on records, because before, man, I was just, like, rapping the beats that I would find online, like, I was mm-hmm. going to YouTube and finding beats, and... They weren't, like, I wasn't in the studio with somebody producing the beats from scratch. So this was the first time, like, we're in the studio making beats from scratch. Um, he's, in my eyes, man, this guy's a genius. Like, just the way he's able to play the keyboard, put together beats, and construct a song. So that was, like, the first time, like, I was dropping something, and the response was pretty good. And then from there, man, I started dropping more singles with him um, and just gearing up for the album. And I feel like, with this, like, batch of music that we started dropping, we were able to lock in um, better shows, uh, you know, as far as, like, I have Hopscotch coming up, um, and uh, I was able to headline King, and we, we packed that out recently. But it was also, just with that, man, I opened up for, I headlined uh, Lincoln Theater last, it was, like, last August, and I mm-hmm. uh, met this dude named Linus, and he's, like, Basically, he takes all my pictures, videos, and all that stuff. So he's been able to really bring out who I am as a person and put it on the internet. Cause that's like, I was doing it, but he just brought it to the next level. So um, I think what has changed since then, like putting that all together, is just like my presence on the internet as far as like the amount of music that I have out, quality of it, um, and then just like the amount of content, videos, pictures. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much, like, I feel like the whole package of what I'm doing, like, the man's brand has been, like, developed since the release of Mention. Right. And that's that's something that you've always kind of had, um, that you've always done well. Um, and I know you said you take a lot of your influences from, like, streetwear brands just because, because you and I are about the same age. So I know when we're in high school, you know, Pharrell and Kanye are the biggest things in the world, right? And so there's, there's skate influence there. And... But yeah, it's true. Like when I look at your brand, it does remind me of those things. Like it's it's high quality. It it's like something I would want to wear. It's not just like the super heavy uh t-shirt where like you wash it once and all the letters are cracked up like. So, <laughs> you know, so we talked about that. Um but I think you're right because I have noticed a lot. I think before when we talked, you were like taking social media photos like with an iPhone. It's like, "Hey, yeah, you know, me and my friend will just go like when I'm off work." We'll shoot some photos, and then we kind of push that out. And that's always been a big part of your brand. How, I guess, looking back, what made it so important for you to make sure that the overall brand spoke for you just as loudly as the music? Um, man, I, I just, I, I guess, like, the, my favorite artists right now um, do that very well. And, I mean, as far as, like, the new guys, the, like, um, I opened for Kyle uh, 
it's just like his brand and everything is so on point from like his music to the way they show him on Instagram and Twitter and everything and I that's kind of like where I developed that like I looked at those guys and I was like alright this is a new wave like I have to put out it's not just the music it's like pictures and everything and and what matters just as much as bringing people to the shows it's like your engagement online like mm-hmm. for example like Instagram and like followers like, it's kind of like a currency. It's a bad way to put it. Like, I don't want to say, like, people are, like, money. But, like, if you have a lot of followers, other companies are going to want to collaborate with you. Um, and what builds your following the best? Like, just being myself and getting it out there in the best way possible to represent who I am and what I'm trying to do is the best way to go about it. So um, that's kind of, like, where I saw that, like, you know, building my following online and everything is the way other companies, you know, say if somebody wants to sign me, they're going to see, like, all right, man, he's, okay, this is what he's doing. He's buzzing in this way, and he has this many followers, and he gets this many comments and this many likes. Um, So, yeah, man, just, like, pretty much putting together, like, engaging content for people, you know? Right, definitely. So um, is that one of your goals, is to be signed or be, like, a major label artist? Um... Man, that, it's difficult. I, like, for a while, you know, it was like, I want to be independent. And then for a minute, I was like, all right, I, I, it'd be cool to get signed. But as of right now, man, I've built up, you know, certain team members. Um, I have a manager named Megan. My friend Linus is kind of like my social media manager. You know, I'm doing the music. I got Posadas, my DJ, and he helps me with the music as well. And then Fourth Ship makes all the beats. So it's like... We kind of have this whole team in-house, and to get it to that level, like, like, a, like if you look at, like, independent artists, I, I think of, like, Chance the Rapper as being, like, the top of that, you know, like, mm-hmm. fully independent, but, like, doing it big, um, and guys like Mac Miller have done it, and, like, uh, Mac Lamore, but it's, like, having that small team and just continuing to build, so that's, like, my goal now. I'm not looking to, like, get signed, but the conversation is right and you know they kind of respect what I'm doing it would be nice it would be cool to sign and have those resources but also move like an independent artist and release the music that I want to release and you know not being like held back artistically yeah definitely like there's I think we talk there's a lot you know there's always this conversation about like the divide between okay should I be independent should I be a major artist like oh well if you're a major artist you don't get any control, so on and so forth. But we've seen artists make that transition. Like, I used to work for uh, Jamla, like, back when Rhapsody was, this was, like, 2011, so she was just starting to kind of get traction on the blogs and stuff. And when I started working with them, it was right after she had gotten off tour with Mac Miller, who was still independent at the time. And, I mean, it took them a little bit longer than, like, maybe some other people and, you know, maybe that's because they're using sampled music and stuff like that. There's There may be other limitations to, you know, how quickly they could grow at the time. But, like you said, they had everything in-house. I mean, they've got eight producers on the label. They've got, you know, business managers. They've got people that are reaching out for uh, p- PR and different promotions and stuff like that. And then they're just making the music they want to make, and they can build it slowly, right? So, like, now they've got the joint venture with Rock Nation, so they've got bigger distribution, They've got people to kind of vouch for them 
Um, you know, rap got nominated for two Grammys last year. And, you know, so there's definitely some merits to what a major label can do for you in 2018. I think the biggest thing, like you said, is not to look at the label as like your savior or like the end game. But if you're moving, you know, with the strength of an independent artist and you you understand all of the things that a label can do for you or that a, a label's doing for a lot of people, you know, you understand that to the point where you could do it for yourself. And that puts you in a much better position if that type of deal is available to you. Yeah, and I also, like, I feel like labels like Rock Nation and stuff, I mean, you got Jay-Z at the top of that. He he really understands hip-hop, obviously. So it's like, you got somebody like Rap City who's, like, had more of, like, an underground hip-hop sound and it's, like, sampling and stuff. They're, like, super open to pushing that kind of artist. I mean, it's not like they're taking an artist like that and saying, we need a pop hit, you know? Like, right. they they let people like Rap City do what they do what they do and do it well. And mm-hmm. people are realizing that record labels are realizing that music acts like it gets numbers. I mean, it gets streams, it sells. People go to the shows to see that stuff. I mean, I was just at, like, the Kendrick Lamar show in Raleigh, like, uh, it was, like, what, last week? And it's, like, Dude, he's, like, packing out a huge venue, and it's, like, real hip-hop, you know? Like, it's just, I feel like record labels are way more open now, too. Um, Just seeing, like, independent artists do it on their own. They're like, all right, we got to trust the artists, you know? Right. Yeah, because, I mean, could could you imagine being the label that didn't get to sign Chance the Rapper? Exactly. (laughs) You know? And then it's like he puts out this mixtape. No one has to buy it. No one's paying for it, and it's the biggest thing in the world. Yeah, exactly. Right, and there, there's so many people like that. Like, Childish Gambino wasn't on a major until this last single. Yeah, I think, he, I think he was on, like, smaller labels back in the day. Like Right, like, he was on, he was on, like, Glass Note. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, man, it's just, people are recognizing, like, these artists, they know what they're talking about, man. They know what kind of music they need to put out, and you can't, push them to do something they're not comfortable with that won't sell you know right so let's talk about uh your last your latest project no excuses um i know you were talking about kind of your relationship with fourth shift and how that kind of developed but how did the the album come about um so we started working like two years ago we knew we wanted to do an album um and we were just like we'd get in the studio start beats from scratch and once I, like, we had pretty much an album before I did my Kickstarter. We knew, like, all right, we have the album. We have an idea. We have almost every song except for, like, a couple verses. And once the, um, like, the Kickstarter happened and it was successful, that pretty much geared me towards the idea of, like, no excuses. Like, you know, everybody supported my Kickstarter. Um, like, my goal was 7000 but everybody took it to 10000 which was and before before I even put out the Kickstarter like my original goal in my mind was going to be 10,000 and for some odd reason right before I put it out I was like alright let me do something a little more reasonable and Mm -hmm. it was crazy that like I kind of doubted myself but everybody that supports me brought it to that 10,000 like and not even knowing that was my original goal and when I saw that happen and uh, the music was coming together this whole idea of you know, no excuses within my mind, like, you know, like, there's no excuses to, like, 
to the thing that I'm trying to do, to my dreams, you know, like, why set limits on it? Like, no excuse, I can do that. You know, I can I can get the shows I want to get. I can make the music I want to. And that's how, like, the Kickstarter and everybody supporting that affected me. And then I just also felt like that's a good way to live your life. And that's kind of like the message I wanted to spread with the music, you know, like, you know, do this, like, do that thing you want to do with your life with no excuses. And it sounds cliche, but, like, that's what touched me, like, as far as, like, Kickstarter. People support me. It's, like, it's a real thing, man. Like, believe in yourself and go for that. You know, I'm not where I want to be, but no excuses. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep working on it, so. Right. Right. That's what's up, man. So what gave you, <laughs> what gave you the balls to do a Kickstarter campaign? Uh, yeah, like, that's a... Uh, I never thought I'd actually do one. Like, I always saw them online, and I saw other artists do it, and I thought it was amazing, but I was so, I was scared, man, because it's a risk. Like, if you fail at a Kickstarter, it's almost like, damn, nobody supports me. Like, and you can't try again later. And I mean, maybe you could, but I've never seen anybody fail on a Kickstarter and say, all right, guys, even though last time we didn't do it, let's try again, you know? Like, right. so I saw, um, uh, Professor Toon, he's a artist out of Durham. He goes by Lord Fest now, but I saw him do it, and he hit 10,000. And once I saw that, I was like, man, like he's a cool dude. I like his music. Um, I supported his Kickstarter, and I, I took notes and I watched. And once he did it, man, I even hit him up. I was like, man, this was like this has been on my mind, but I've never seen a local do it. And um, I told him I was like, man, I, I want to do it, um, like inspired me to do it he's like yo do it and when I was you know when I was doing it it was cool he would call me and give me advice and stuff so it was basically like Professor Jim seeing him do it um, and also just having this album that I really believed in but not having the proper funding to fully finish it and get the artwork ready um, like my, uh, my graphic designer Ruben Rodriguez like I got to pay him because, you know, he has bills to pay, too. Everybody's got bills, like, my producers and stuff. So it was a good way for me to, like, say, all right, man, like, I need this funding to really do this. And it was inspired by another local, which is the best part about it. That's what's up, man. So so the album was pretty much done as far as the content was concerned, but your Kickstarter was really just to fund everything you need to make it like a successful project, like the finish the graphics, finish the artwork, maybe get some videos and maybe uh, use some for like advertising um, and really give it the push it deserved. Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, that's pretty much like it was, I had, I, I was missing two songs, like the first song perfect and the last song I actually made. Those were going to be for my next project, but I decided to put them on my album. Um, mm. Those are ones I just, like, after the Kickstarter happened, I made them because I was inspired by everything that happened. And uh, I was like, man, I'm just going to throw them on this album. But, yeah, and I'm still... And a quick pause because this is where the call dropped. Um, but no worries. I called Nance right back, and we picked up right where we left off. So here's the rest of our conversation. All right, cool. So we should be good to go. Um it's like the last thing I heard, you said I'm still, and that's when you cut out. I'm trying to remember what the question was now. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, so I th- we were just talking about like where, what all you had before 
the uh, Kickstarter campaign and kind of where you saw oh, it yeah, going. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had, um, I had the album done, and except for two songs, which is the first song of the album and the last song. And then, you know, I had some content and uh, ideas for music videos. So I, I just didn't want to, you know, put that project out there and not push it. And that's, like, why one of the main reasons for the Kickstarter. But also, you know, I put out the album now, and I've kind of, like, organically pushed it, just, like, word of mouth. And I still have some, you know, funds for my Kickstarter that I'm going to be investing in music videos that I have in the works right now. So it's uh, it's going to be, like a, like, a long process to get this all going. But um, just having the music out there and then being able to drop music videos and use the funds from Kickstarter to push them and bring mm-hmm. people back to the music is kind of what this whole entire, like, next year, until my next project comes out, is going to be like. Yeah, that's what's up. I think that's something that a lot of artists uh, kind of drop the ball on as well. Like, they'll put out a project and then, you know, they're they're good for like a month. Then they start to lose steam and then they just... I guess they feel like the project is old, so they don't want to push it anymore. And so then you've got, like, this music that no one's heard, but then you're like, oh, i got to do something new so they can hear me this time. Yeah, and, and what people have to realize is that, like, being an artist, like, by the time you put out the album, sometimes you're done with the music, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, like, the difficult part. Like, I, in my mind, I'm writing and recording new music, and I'm, I'm kind of past no excuses, but... It's new to some people, and it's going to be new to anybody that hasn't heard it. So the more, you know, I invest into it and push it and perform it um, in front of new crowds, it's like the more I can get it out there. So I just have to remember that. Like, you know, even though mentally I might be past it, when I'm on stage, man, I got to act like I'm recording those songs for the first time. It's kind of like reenacting to the crowd, you know? Right. Uh, so yeah, man, that's the main thing, just like, and that's what I wanted to do with this project, like, stretch it out, like, let me put out no excuses, see how far it goes without any of the funds going into it just yet, and then once it kind of, like, dies down a little bit, I'll start dropping new content and getting it going, so, and that's coming up pretty soon, man, I've just, I've been, like, recently just moved into, like, a new apartment uh, with my friend Linus, who creates all my content, so we're about to be, like, really working on stuff. Uh, yeah, man, I'm excited about all that. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. So, uh, the album No Excuses is available everywhere, right? Yeah, all streaming platforms. And then I also have physical copies on my website, uh, which is imnance.com. That's what's up, man. So, I want to go into like a little bit of like a lightning round. Um, so I'll just ask a few questions and yeah, whatever comes to your mind. So, What's the best piece of advice you've gotten in the industry? Oh, man. Lightning round, and this is a tough question. <laughs> uh, man. man, best advice. Oh, man. That's, dude, you got me. Because there's so much advice. Like, I'm, I'm, like, all about taking in information. And even if it's not advice where it's, like, from somebody I know, man, I'm always listening to podcasts and, like, I'm just trying to take in information on how I can, like, better my career. Um, man, it might be cliche, but, like, do what you love is, is really strong. And, and the difficult part about that, and the reason why I think it sounds so cliche to people is because sometimes it's hard to find that thing that you love in life, you know? 
and mm-hmm. even even for me, like I was rapping, but and I knew I loved it, but I just didn't see it as a way to, you know, I never saw myself like doing a Kickstarter or headlining my own shows or even being on stage. So I used to be so nervous to just like tell people I was a rapper, but and mm-hmm. thinking like, oh man, I'm gonna be on stage, like how? Like I don't even want to tell people I rap. So it's like, I think the best advice, man, has just been like, do what you love and, and really pursue it. You know, go go after that thing you love in life, man. And, and it makes it ten times more fun and enjoyable. And even when you hit a low, like, when you're, like, pursuing what you love in life, when you hit a low, it's not too bad. Cause it, it's like, I'm doing that thing that I love to do. You know, I love making music. I'm doing that. Gotcha. That's what's up, man. So... If you were going to run a, cam- a Kickstarter campaign to fund another album, what would you do differently? I would um, probably believe in myself more for the past one and, and set a, a better goal. You know, like I would have done 10000 off the bat. Um, mm-hmm. But also, I think uh, the first, like I dropped my video and Professor Toon called me and he was like, yo, in your video you said donate can't say donate you have to say contribute so i would have like changed that whole thing about my video and tell people hey if you contribute to my kickstarter these are like certain things you get um and that's probably the only thing i would have changed man that's what's up that's what's up um let's see (laughs) it's a lightning round but i don't have the questions ready (laughs) (laughs) so what was the hardest thing you've had to overcome on your journey so far Hardest thing, um, man. I think just being comfortable with myself, and that goes like, that's like goes into so many different aspects of what I do. Like, you know, being able to speak my truth on a song. I mean, some of the best music comes from like your own struggles and your pain. I think you know I touched on that in no excuses about like my anxiety and everything, and because uh, that's something I realized within the past year that I have. Um, yeah, just, just like knowing myself and putting that out there. It's like it's so difficult to get on stage and be vulnerable, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's what's up, man. And so if there was one like book or podcast or resource that you could share with artists who are trying to be in your position, what would it be? Uh, I'm reading a book right now called Ego's the Enemy that like, that's, like, as of right now, because I'm just on that wave, like, that's, that's a good one, because it's all about, like, learning about your ego, like, and ego is not even just, like, when you think ego, like, a lot of people, especially me, I think, like, Kanye West, you think, like, loud and just out there, and sometimes your ego isn't even that, like, it, it makes you quiet, it makes you, um, sometimes not really even believe in yourself, you know? Like, ego is not even, like, a cocky thing 24-7. That's one. Um, I got three. The other one is, uh, what is it called? The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I'm sorry if I can't cuss on this, but that's what what the book's called. It's really dope. It's just, like, about, like, who cares what people think, like, do your thing. And then the other one, it's a really short book. It's called uh, Share, Show Your Work. And that when I it's a, it's just about like yo if you do art um, or anything creative man like show people because a lot of artists like 
they keep working on that one song or that one painting until they think it's perfect before they put it out. And sometimes you have to put stuff out even though you fully don't think it's perfect, you know, like, go ahead. And you, we're all going to look back at stuff we did and be like, man, I could have done that better. And you just got to put it out. Like, don't put out, like, bad work. But if people around you are like, yo, it's good, drop it. Drop it, man. Show your work. So those are, like, three books right there. That's what's up, man. Yo, well, Nance, I want to thank you so much for, again, for doing the podcast, for sharing this knowledge and information with the other artists and producers out there, um, and for taking time out of your schedule. I know you're busy, you're driving, there's a lot going on, so thanks. Yo, man, I appreciate it, and I appreciate you having me on here, and make sure, yeah, send me this link when we drop it so I can send it out to everybody, I'll show everybody, so, and uh, just everybody who's listening to this, man, I appreciate it. No problem, man. Oh, by the way, just shout out uh, all your socials and where they can find you again. Um, website, IamNance.com. Instagram, Nance. Um, Twitter, Nance. Rap. Yeah, man, that's it. That's all of it. Cool, cool. Well, again, you guys check for Nance. Uh, his album, No Excuses, is out everywhere. So iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify. Go take a listen to it. Check out his website. And there's a lot you can learn from them. So thanks again for listening. All right, guys, if you made it this far, you won. Congratulations. <laughs> thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Just want to give you a little bit of preview of next week. So next week, we're talking to Bryant Walker, a.k.a. Concept Beats. Um, he's a music producer um, and now a content creator and multimedia producer uh, for all sorts of businesses. So we talked about getting creative in your business. So like, you know, as musicians, we're a lot of times we're really creative as far as the music we make, but then we do really boring things to promote it. And so Bryant talks about how to get creative in the way you do business so that you can really set yourself up to live the life that you've been dreaming about just by being creative with your business model. So that's next week on the show. If you're interested in that, be sure you subscribe. Hey, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud, wherever you're listening. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace.